right, it's another episode of the award-winning golf podcast known as Swing Thoughts. I'm uh, Howard Glassman, part of the Humble and Fred show, um, and of course, uh, glad to be part of the Humble and Tim show. Tim O'Connor once again this week on the phone. The, uh, direct- hey, how you doing? Hey, Bubba. Uh, the director of mental performance at the Glen, uh, Glen Abbey Performance Center. And uh, Tim O'Connor, a, uh, an award-winning uh, writer, and uh, bon vivant, and O'ConnorGolf.ca's. How you get a hold of Tim? As well, this program brought to you by TaylorMade Adidas. TaylorMade, the number one driver in golf. And I know Tim and I want to talk a little bit about uh, the equipment that uh, now we're both using. We we touched on it a bit last week, did we not? We did. We did. We were we were in awe of the M1 and all its power that it's bestowed upon us, even on the occasional time that you miss it. I miss it more than you, but when I miss it, it still goes places where I haven't gone before. <laughs> well, I want to start off by giving you a compliment, um, because uh, the other day. Tim and I got a chance to uh, play golf together, and I, know, I don't know what people think that listen to our show, but, you know, we hang out a lot on the phone, we talk to each other almost every day, but don't get to play together that often, and I got to see Tim hit his uh, new clubs, his uh, M1, his tailor-made irons, at a very difficult golf course on a very challenging day, and i got to oh, be wow. honest with you, the first couple of drives you hit... And I, I haven't said it. I haven't told you this, but I'm going to tell you now on our show to share my vulnerability with you. Oh, what a risk you're taking, you so, brave man! Yeah. So I get to this tournament. We're playing a scramble, and I get there late. I just literally get driven out to the second hole that Tim's on, and for a couple holes, you know, I'm watching Tim hit his new driver, and I was a little bit like, "Where, where's this coming from?" Like, I was a little bit, uh, not jealous, but I was like, wait a second, I used to be so much longer than Tim. What the hell's going on? And then uh, and then uh, I hit a couple of good drives that were uh, up near yours. But, man, I was really impressed with uh, how well you were hitting that club. Well, thanks. It just it, it feels really, really good. Um, I got fitted by Kieran McKelvey at uh, the Taylor May Performance Center at Glen Abbey. That guy is a real pro. And uh, yeah, he just he got he tweaked it just right. So I think it uh, I got it fit to me, which is you know an ideal. But that club, I, I said I I've, I've been fortunate enough to be in the golf industry many years and had access to the new equipment. But every two years I had a new driver. I've never had this kind of difference put in the bag and like automatically boom hitting it you know, 20, 30 yards longer, and I on this hit, it's still, you know, out there really nicely. You know, it's funny that we were talking about that the other day at this event, and, I, and Tim and I would like to talk to you a little bit, too, today, if you don't mind. Uh, we're going to get to, um, really, today's show is just uh, Timmy and I talking about a couple of things. We'll get to some mental performance things uh, shortly. We want to talk to you about a great organization that we were lucky enough to be invited to participate uh, with. But I, I want to talk, because you mentioned that the other day, the, the years in, in the golf industry, and, and really this one particular club, the M1 driver, has the, you can't recall a bigger difference being made. For me, you know, and I'm, I'm going back a long time now, the biggest difference I remember in golf clubs is when I went from, you know, kind of blady, whatever, tough-to-hit irons 
And the very first time I ever hit the old ping eye, whatever they, those were in the late 70s. Ping eye twos. Ping eye twos. twos. Copper yeah, or something yeah. like that. I remember the the difference between the old clubs I had, which were blades. I'm like 16 years old hitting clubs now that I promise you I couldn't get airborne. And all yeah. of a sudden I hit somebody's ping eye twos and I was like, what? What is that? Why? I just missed it. It went just as far. And that's sort of the same type of advance that's been made with this club. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know what's funny? I remember going from Blades, Ben Hogan, uh, Apex. My, yeah, that might be a beautiful Blades that my dad handed down to me. And then uh, I remember playing uh, Accuport. Remember the uh, the uh, the PTMs, the Accuport? Yep. I mean, they were like this amazing club. And it was all based on that they were all, you know, perfectly balanced clubs and all that. But they were, bla- they were Blades. I remember going down to a Golf Riders tournament in Myrtle Beach. These golf players from all over North America. And this guy, uh, Nelson uh, Nelson Reed, who I got to know, he's from Georgia. And he, he just looks at this, like, you know, three iron in my... And it's like, compared to today, the three iron, it looked like, kind of like a butter knife. And he just looks at this thing. He goes, shoot, Cam, that's got a sweet spot the size of a mouse turd. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I. But anyways, I remember when I went to. Then I was working, doing some work actually for Acuform, and uh, then I got the Acuform twos or something, the cavity back. I don't remember a, a massive difference. So I don't know. Back to the M1. This uh, maybe I just have an access to every brand new thing that's come along, but. This is the most dramatic change I've ever seen, certainly in my game. And I'll tell you, I uh, think I mentioned this too last week when we were talking to Al Trivet, but um, I got a chance and I've got the M2 three wood now I'm trying out. It's actually, I've taken it, I used it for the weekend, I used it for two or three rounds, and then I took it out of my bag because I didn't know what to do with it. It was too long. Like, honestly, like the, the gapping between my driver and my three yeah. wood. Was, was almost non-existent. Anyway, make sure you get to uh, TaylorMade and uh, find a, uh, a club that'll fit you. And uh, again, we recommend this one highly. Uh, one of the things we did together on uh, Monday, the uh, 6th of June, uh, depending on when you download the show, that'll either be you know a couple days or a week or so, we were a part of something called Soldier On to St. Andrews. It was the uh, a, a tournament helping to raise money and awareness for ill and injured armed forces veterans who have been, you know, affected by their uh, tour of duties and using sport, in this particular case, golf, as a way to heal. Maybe you can talk a little bit more about this organization and what we experienced. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was an honor to be involved in it. And uh, the, the guys at Beacon Hall... Um, Phil Hardy uh, did a, an amazing job. It, it just, he basically he runs that event, and they've got this really hardworking committee. But the uh, the tournament largely connected with uh, a, a thing called the the St. Andrews Legacy. Um, darn it, I think the fellow's name is I think his last name is Turcotte. But anyways, this uh, Scottish businessman saw you know veterans coming back uh, to Scotland. England and even Australia, and just thought there's. He saw what's been going on in Canada. So here's a start statistic for you. Um, since the end of the Afghanistan war and Canada brought its troops home, 66 uh, men and women have committed suicide from 
this, the, the traumas of it. It's, most, it's mostly around PTSD, but also... And they, by the way, these are 56 Canadian men and women. 66, yeah. 66. 66. Canadian, yeah. And largely what the, the, the challenges are is that a lot of them, they come from the, 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 uh, the psychic scars, but also the physical injuries they have, and just you know, trying to fit back into regular society... And uh, it's you know a struggle, man. And a lot of them tend to tend to isolate and don't do the things they they used to do. And you know they often just go into a spiral. So this Scottish businessman saw this going on, and he saw that golf was a great activity, uh, which you know people get out, enjoy the outdoors. But more and just as importantly, the social part, the camaraderie, the coming together. And so he created this event over there where they would invite veterans on a week-long trip around Scotland playing some of the greatest links courses like, um, you know, Carnoustie, uh, Troon, St. Andrews. And, and then they would go to the Open Championship. Um, and then uh, people over here with the Soldier On community, it's an organization in Canada, saw this and went, you know, they're doing some good work here. So the Soldier On people in Canada had been running similar types of events you know, around any kind of activity, bowling, hiking, you know, just whatever works to get people out and together. And so about three years ago, um, people with Beacon Hall started to see this and they started to run with it in association with the PGA of Canada and hats off to Gary Bernard, the CEO there. And uh, so I believe it was the third year of this, but the, the key piece is first to get the ill and injured soldiers out to get them to arrive. Right. And if they if they can get there, that's the win. And then they just start to see, you know, and commiserate with their fellow veterans, and they they meet other people, you know, other business people and whatnot. And just from all of that, they um, they just find a reconnection with other people, and oftentimes it leads them down roads that they didn't see before and maybe it leads to them to reconnecting to their higher purpose and the stories like how about the story we heard from the from let me the, just jump uh, in for a second there tim um because i, I want to get to discuss what you said a couple things you know the thing about ptsd and i uh, had it's ironic i've been reading an article a couple weeks ago i mean i i knew we were doing this and just sort of apropos of looking around the internet one day, I came across some statistics about post-traumatic stress disorder. And one of the reasons that golf and sport is so key for our veterans, and we'll just talk about the Canadian veterans now, is that what post-traumatic stress disorder actually is, is a feeling of isolation that, that comes from basically returning from you know, the, the theater of war or being in a, in a, in a war zone where you're you're buddying up with people all the time. In fact, one of the people that spoke that, that day a couple days ago, Rick Hillier, a former uh, general of our armed forces, um, one of the things he said is people who are in battle, they're called battle buddies, and they have this mm-hmm. sense of camaraderie and this sense of community, and then they come home and all that's taken away. And where the, 
when they start to have these feelings, this mental stress, and some of it's physical, obviously, but they have no, they're no longer with their comrades. And in fact, our country, uh, the U.S. and Canada now, has almost 50% of returning veterans experiencing some form of PTSD. Interestingly enough, other armies around the world, particularly the Israeli armies, what I was reading about, their uh, incidents of PTSD are incredibly low, almost non-existent. And the reason is, when they return from being for their from their tour of duty, they are celebrated. The community's there to support them. Their camaraderie never goes away. So where Soldier On comes in is they, be, they they reconnect, as you were saying, Tim, they reconnect that sense of community, that sense that they're not alone, because that really is, and it's a human trait, yeah. it, really, it really is, the it's the isolation, and no one, you know, if you're, if you've, if like one of the guys, the guy we played with, amazing, the guy's been, in, you know, in Bosnia, and he's been in, under attack, well, when he comes back to his regular job, those no one can relate to what he's gone through. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was the Sergeant uh, Chris Richard from uh, from London. He's from New Brunswick, so he's got that great nickname, Frenchy. <laughs> and you know that. what? We had such a great day golfing with him. He was so tickled to be playing, and we played Beacon Hall, one of the great yeah. golf courses in Canada. Um, and he, could, I just felt like, you know, it was so much fun hanging with him because he was telling us stories of what he's been through, and but he really enjoyed golfing with us. Oh, we did. We had we had such a blast, and it was just yeah. Actually, it reminded me how much fun a scramble can be. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's cheering each other on, and you know, we were playing with uh, Ryan from uh, Q107. You know, Ryan first game of golf. Yeah, and you know, he made three birdies. <laughs> he made some good but, putts, man. Absolutely, absolutely. But the so to connect back to the to the main point. Um, yeah, so when people suffer, you know, there, there's all kinds of different elements to PTSD. But of course, with our, with uh, as you say in the theater of war, you're, you're there with your brothers, and, and uh, you do anything for them, and you it's such an intense um, uh, relationships with them, and then you're, and then you're back in your back home and and for a lot of these people uh, for a lot of these veterans they've suffered so greatly mentally and physically that they can no longer they'd like to continue in the army but they no longer can so that adds to the to the isolation and then you know through things like you know then they have uh you know if you go see a you know, a psychologist or do some other forms of therapy. And, and often it just kind of gets to a point of like, oh, what's the use? Yeah. And that isolation just gets worse and worse. And they stop going to the therapy appointments and just withdrawing from family and things. And, that. and that's when the spiral really can really happen. So the key piece is, is to get these guys engaged. And uh, it was just so amazing to watch them being piped into the, to the room after for the for the lunch and for the program and you the know whole, the whole yeah, day I was spectacular. Around. A lot of these guys had tears. Oh no! And, and you know what? You warned me. You said something just before the uh, speeches began. You said there's not going to be a dry ice, uh, dry eye in the house. And I was like, oh, 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 okay. And then I found myself literally the first guy that spoke. I started to tear up. Yeah. I looked across the table. There was Chris, the guy we played golf with. He's got a napkin over his eyes, and I'm starting to tear up. I don't even know the guy speaking. Anyway, all of this by way of saying, because uh, I want to get to some golf stuff. Uh, I mean, some other golf stuff. Not to diminish what we talked about, but I want you to do this. Go to Soldier On. 
Uh, they're a great organization. Our community of golfers that listen to our show, I got to tell you, I came home that day. I saw my buddy who does a lot of work with the uh, arm, the Air Force and, and air shows. I said, I found out about this organization. We got to get involved. And I would encourage all our golfer community friends to at least look at something like this because you will at least, you know, you'll be able to use your love of the game to help some people that, you know, uh, have done stuff way beyond, you know, most of us will ever go through. And uh, it's a good organization that would be worth your attention. Yeah, I just wanted to add one point to it. They have, li- I-, I was talking with um, my cousin Ken Lalone, and uh, he was one of the key reasons it ended up at Beacon Hall. And he was saying that. One of the reasons why he got involved in this is that he saw that Soldier On doesn't, I'm not sure exactly what the details are, but they don't have uh, key sources of funding. So he thought, you know, okay, this is a serious thing that we got to get behind. And so golf is a perfect vehicle with tournaments and live auctions and silent auctions and a way just to, to earn money for, you know, to really do some really good work. I mean, I, I was just, I came home from it just, a lot of different perspective, I'll tell you. No, I, I say, yeah, it gives you, you know, when you golf with a guy as we did with Chris, you golf with a guy that's been shot at, and uh, you know he signed up more than one time, and you know you hit a, you make a, a you know crappy swing and hit it fast, and you start thinking, well, okay, compared to what that guy's gone through, this is all just stupid. Exactly. Yeah. This is um, golf. No, it was fun, and you know what? Um, so we played pretty well, I would say. Um, yep. <laughs> and um, you know we uh, we had a, a good final hole and uh, ended up uh, coming in at thirteen under par. Now, don't be shy. Don't be shy. I'll tell this because you're for way our, too for our scram- you're way too humble for our scramble. Humble, and uh, we ended up winning. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. you know me. I'm too. Uh, I'm too. No, I'll uh, talk about it. I'll talk about. We ended it. up winning. To, okay. How we hit the drive. It's a six iron, so he hits a drive impossibly long distance with his M1, and he hits a six iron about seven one, iron. one neck. Seven iron. That's seven iron. One, here, okay, wait a second. If you're going to tell it, it was way downwind. It was about a 500. It was a short par five. It was a 530-yard whatever par five downwind. And I did. I, I, I had played this golf course years ago, but I barely. I didn't really remember the the hole. And I said to Timmy, I was like, I'm not sure where to aim this. And you said, Well, kind of over there. And I was like, Okay. And I just killed it. And uh, it was 195 to the green, but it was really howling. Oh yeah. And you hit your shot. I'm trying to think. Wasn't it green high or something? Uh, yeah, like I hit. A, I hit a six iron, just pin high, a little bit. About maybe 10 yards short of flag. So I thought, okay, he's hitting six iron, and, you know, it's I'm giving it a rip with my hit a seven iron way up in the air, and I hit it on the green about 40 feet. And then, you know, I was going last, uh, and I got to see Tim and, and Chris and Ryan putt. And so by the time I've seen it three times, I, I sort of figured I had an idea how I was going to break, and I was uh, lucky enough to sink it. But we, my point is, we won this scramble, and I don't think I've ever been more thrilled for somebody else to win a golf tournament than I was for Chris, because he was absolutely he was ecstatic. Oh yeah, that was so much fun. You I don't loved think he, it. I think, he, I think he slapped my hand so hard and No, I know, it. me too. I was like, dude, take it easy. And he's really strong, right? And I was like, shit, okay. son, I'm not that tough. <laughs> yeah, that was so much fun uh, to you know to to win it. Kind of like, if you will, for Chris. 
so that was really just so much fun to share that. So, he, he was tickled. That was great. Let's talk a little bit about you know some mental things that come up. Um, using that day as a, a great example. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of people who, you know, golf, from time to time you're asked to play in these charity scrambles. And, and I always looked at it like a bit of a chore. And, you know, I've had to, I've been in a lot of them. I've hosted a bunch of them. And sometimes, you know, they're not good for your golf game because invariably I've been the better player in the group. And everyone goes like, hey, humble, hit it as far, you know, and you, you end yeah. up kind of wrecking your swing. But because you were in the group and you were hitting it so good and, and uh, the other guys were putting and chipping well, I thought, you know, I'm not going to try and things and I actually I actually felt good about how I hit the ball all the way around but what I was going to say my point is it gave me an opportunity to try a few things that I may not you know in my regular round of golf may not you know give you know like I try to drive her off the the fairway I, uh, I hit a couple I hit a couple shots like I you know took extra club and tried to knock it down just because it was a fun day to play around yeah that was really fun um, and, and you know, it kind of reminds me of that three club thing you're doing. Um, well, to put just, the fun back in the game, at least. You know? He's trying to hit some different shots and see what we can do here. And I, that was part of what was going on. Also, I mean, yeah, it's a scramble, so you can afford it a bit. But man, it's just I'm just finding that there's just so much to gain in terms of this approaching golf as something that you can have fun and what a bizarre concept that no i know and we and you and i were talking but i want to bring this up this is kind of a, a part of what i want to talk about with you today uh as a, sort of the mental side of this particular podcast that you know i suggested when we were discussing this during the round i said you know it's too bad like more guys uh you know, wouldn't like take one round with their buddies in a summer and just have a scramble for no reason because it was nothing but fun. There was no individual pressure. We were all enjoying ourselves. The high handicap guys in our group all contributed, made some great putts. Yeah, we were 13 under. Ryan sank three putts. Uh, Chris sank a couple. You sank a couple. I mean, it was like we were all in this. It just gave a, like, it's kind of was my point about the three clubs. There was a real yeah. sense of the, the game of golf as a backdrop for fun as opposed to, you know, we're all here to see how low we can shoot. Right. Yeah, well, I'm going to connect back to a chat we had. I forget who we were talking with about golf in the in the United Kingdom, right? Which is largely about match. It's usually match play, or if they do play stroke play, it's stable purge. So, you know, if you're out of a hole, you just pick up because you don't get any points. But the key piece is is that it just seems to be more about the social piece, about getting out and just having some fun and not grinding to make this number, you know, that today's the day I break 90 or 80 or whatever. And and there's just some freedom in just playing and, ha and having fun. And I've said before, it's a, <laughs> in so many ways, you can do it around in, largely around intention and focus, is that when we try to play well, we tend to grind, I hate that word in golf, and we play bad because we're, quote, trying, as opposed to just doing and being and letting it go and just freewheeling. Well, I'll so, tell you, go ahead. Yeah, so you just tend to play better when you're not so, when, you know, golfers tend to play better, certainly me included, when my intention is to have fun or, or it's something different. We talk about this a lot, but... Um, the key message I think is is that 
You can play well without trying to play well. Well, and, and you can also play golf without the typical paradigm of, okay, we're going to start at one. I'm going to be, you know, yeah. trying to grind up my personal best each and every time we play. And i got to be honest with you, as somebody that plays a lot of golf, and again, I know the caveat to anyone listening that only plays twice a week. You go, great, easy for you two because you're around the game every day. But I would say, you know, you, you sent me a note or I, either we texted one another at the end of the day on Monday, and you said that was one of my favorite days of golf. And I thought, you know, me too, because I got to play with one of my buddies, met some new people that I really liked. We, we all happened to play well, but, you know, we just, it wasn't like we had at no point in that round did, did any of us go, how many under are we? In fact, it wasn't until the end that I said to you after we, you know, sank that putt, I said, wow, we're 13 under. I said, that might be just close enough to be out of the money. Because, you know, I've played in a lot of scrambles where you go in and you go, wait a second, how did you guys get to 17 under? Yeah. But my point is, we, no part of our day was about Oh, we're playing really well. Let's keep it going. I just kept drawing circles on the scorecard and moving on to the next hole. Yeah, yeah, and it, the, it was really fun just cheering on shots and stuff. Like you hit on uh, ten, uh, that driver off the deck. Like that was a riot. You know, <laughs> you hit this thing. We both know you nutted it. Oh, it was ridiculous. We're just watching it. I just, I basically jumped on your back. No, I know. And you know what the funny thing is? I, 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 I hit it was like 250 downhill into this ridiculous way. I had no business. I mean, I only tried it because you guys had already were all safe. And here's the thing. I didn't actually get it over the water, but I hit it so hard that like another yard and I would have been on the green. I hit it into oh, the yeah. water. But the fact is, I hit it into the water and it still gave me so much... Uh, um, satisfaction, and you got excited. All, everyone, we were all excited because it was kind of like, "Wow, that that just happened!" Exactly, and that same with your eagle putt. You know, that just happened. You know, so the hats come off, and we're all cugging each other. And and I think the lesson is, oh, not that you know, I was so great, but the lesson yeah. is, we were enjoying our company without the score of golf being an issue. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I'll tell you, and I've told yeah. you this, you know, when we were playing that day, I had a day of golf on Saturday, one of the worst rounds I've played in a year. Um, and I really wasn't very happy that day. I was tired. It was I played 36 holes in the second 18. I was just fatigued to the point where I couldn't really access any kind of skill. And I was just kind of wanted to get off the golf course, contrasted with... The day on Monday, because I didn't play Sunday. When I saw you on Monday, I was so excited to be around and play this thing with the soldiers. And, like, it was just so much fun. Yeah. And so here's something I want to kind of go take this a little bit. Is that So our, our awareness wasn't around making a number, winning, you know. Hell, you know, at the end, we went, oh, 13 under. That might have a shot. Who knows? But, you know, if we take us back to the to the tee for that for our last hole which i believe was 15 at beacon hall so par five it's uh on a point of land on 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 one i think one of the near the boundary of the golf course shall we say so we can see about three holes and the long fescue grass is there's a all this unmaintained area and i said to you i said look at that is that amazing yeah the grass looked like waves Exactly. It looked like waves on a beach. And, and so our awareness was around taking in the beauty of where we were. The trees, the beautiful day, the grass and everything. And, of course, the hole is dead gorgeous, those bunkers. 
uh, at the Bob Cup course. And those bunkers on the corner of the turn there, I mean, just beautiful. So the point is, is that when when your awareness is is a little broader and you're taking in all of all of things, rather than again as, as this very narrow spotlight on score and and me and how I'm doing, I just think there's access to your innate abilities and just some greater energy that al- allows you just to play with more freedom and and fun and hence you play better. Well, I want to ask you a couple things in our last few minutes. Uh, you know, this was the part of the show, I don't know, a month ago. I was going to call it Coach's Corner, and then I, I gave up on that. Um, you've been, you've been, I, I did like it, but I no, didn't have no, a know, Sometimes part. I come up with stuff, and I go, oh, well, we'll do this, and I forget about it because I'm old. Um, <laughs> I want to ask if you, now, without saying anyone's name, because obviously, uh, you, know, uh, you, you know, a lot of people are very... Uh, they they talk to Tim a lot, and and Tim's very discreet in terms of you know you know who he talks to, what you guys talk about. What are some of the things you're talking about with your players these days? And do you have any examples of you know someone that you might have uh, been working with, and all of a sudden they they are starting to have some success? And, and I think you know who I'm talking about. Who is literally somebody came to Tim who was apoplectic about their golf game, and it's somebody that I know and is a very very fine player was struggling, and then. Within a few, and this is to not only to endorse Tim, but to endorse what we believe, which is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of game, there's a lot of game that golfers have that they don't access because of the things we're talking about. So maybe you might give me, you know, use this person as an example of, you know, came to see you and has almost had instantly better golf scores because of some of the things you guys are working on. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And, uh, he won a tournament this week. That was really cool. Uh, he was just so proud. And so I mean, he hit the shot. Uh, so, but Tim, I, three I, weeks ago, when when he asked me for your number, uh, it, it, he was he was having trouble breaking eighty. And this guy's like a low single digit dude. Yeah. Well, a lot of the work was around just kind of clearing the decks around. Um, Identifying himself with the game as a good player, and you know I should be doing this, and we just like let's, let's clear that. It's just you're just who you are, and a lot of it was around just um, his own expectations for his game because this man is a has been a great athlete all his life, and so what I really wanted to do was just allow him to access that natural athletic ability, um, you know, and that's from just having a very keen mind and body and develop skills through a number of different sports. So this guy played at a very, very high level uh, of different, a different sport in particular. But he wasn't drawing on that at all. He was just largely getting in his own way. He was distracted by, by his thoughts, um, and he just really couldn't find a way to put things behind him. So we worked on a number of different uh, drills and different things, particularly on the range and do this I love doing this drill so um, we did one in which I just put six balls uh, in a row on a tee and this is a, this is a common drill and so I would have them step in with an iron connect the target hit it shuffle over connect the target hit it and hit five of the six like dead nuts solid not always on target but solid so all the shot, any shot from that would have been serviceable. And then through that, I mean, he was like, holy crap. And, and then he's going like, we kind of summarized it. So there's no thinking. 
it's just reacting, allowing your body to do what it knows to do. And he was going, holy crap, you mean I don't need to go through, you know, an hour-long preparation and thinking about what I do with my hip and all this? No, just, just hit it. And then I do another... Tim, may I interrupt for a second? Because I, I, I want to comment on what you said. What is it about us golfers? And and and, and don't forget what you were you were going to say. What is it about us golfers that we feel we're not worthy of hitting a good shot unless we go through some kind of mental gymnastics and machinations and almost suffering in order to hit a good shot? Why why do we find it so hard to believe that we could just get up like it like we were throwing a ball at one another and just get up, see the target and hit it? It's almost like we have this barrier where we believe that we're not eligible to access good shots unless we go through some kind of, you know, BS. You know what? This might sound weird to a lot of people, but I'm going here anyways. I think a lot of people at their core don't think that they're good enough. They're not good enough in their relationships. They're not good enough in their work. They're not good enough in golf. So they have to work hard. They got to grind. They got to make sure they do the right thing. So doing, you know, trying to develop the perfect swing by getting right. it on plane. So they got to go through all this stuff. Basically, they don't trust each other. And that's exactly where I went with this fellow was getting him to a place of just trust it. Excellent. So go back and to the, the, the drills you were saying. You did the uh, six-ball drill, and you did some yeah. other drills designed to and get him, a, basically designed to get this guy out of his own way. 100%. So then I just did this other drill where I just basically get down on one, on, on one knee, put a ball down, hit it. There's, and there's no time for a practice swing. Basically, he just finishes the swing and just brings his club back into position. I put the ball down, hit it. So it's kind of like whack, whack, it just in that kind of timing, that quick. And he must have hit a dozen, and I would say all of them were solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, really solid. And maybe, you know, eight to ten were all he would have been, you know, putting for par or, you know, putting for birdie. You know, even a 40-footer to like two feet. The point is, is that without thinking, just reacting, being a natural athlete, drawing all the natural ability and skill that he's developed over the years, he's just able to hit, hit the shot. So the key piece to kind of tie it all up was what we got him to a place of was just commit to the shot and then just play with this element of trust. And that is hard to do. That is really hard to do. So, and he knows that that's something that he's got to keep working on. But that is just a, such a different thing. And you can try, you can actually hit a ball when you're not hitting it well. Trust people. How can I trust it if I'm not, if I'm hitting it all over the map? Right. You know what? Mm. You, you are going to have a, hit the ball so much better if you just let it go, react to your target, let it go. Yeah, you can have some body awareness of some things that aren't going well, but step in, let it go. Trusted. And that's been the key piece for, for this fellow. Well, and, and it's been the key piece um, a little bit for me and some of the stuff that I've been working on. You know, and the funny thing is, you know, we don't really, Tim and I don't really work, uh, haven't really worked a lot on my um, my full shot 
sort of routine, my process, just mostly the only work we've done so far, really the only key session we did was basically short game. But the idea is that, you know, I, I've hit thousands of chips. And as you said to me, you know, just look at the target, you know, what's the shot here and go ahead and hit it. And, um, you know, now after doing that for like a month and a half, when I asked you on uh, Monday watching me putt now, whereas before you, you used to say that, I had a sort of a, a, a freeing look to me through my, you know, my longer shots, but I get around the green and I start to tense up. Where, where I've worked pretty hard at kind of eliminating that, where I've, I basically, I don't spend much time, once I have the read, I don't spend much time over the putt, and I feel freer because I don't think I need to take six practice strokes and stand there staring at the line for 40 seconds. I find that, to me, at least, I find it less freeing and less instinctive and i gotta tell you my putting which i thought was pretty good before it's been amazing this year oh yeah your short game is sharp and and so let's connect back to our our great chat last week with al trivet who mentioned the inner game of tennis book and so in that book one of the key there's a number of different takeaways but one is the concept you've got a self one self two self one as far as your ego your waking consciousness which and that's the part of you that's always trying to keep you safe, directing you, and but also it's a place that basically doesn't believe in you <laughs> because it's trying to keep you safe. And it's always telling you what to do, directing you, kind of like the bossy pants in school or something. Self two is largely just your, your, your unconscious, just your body and what you know what to do. And that's mostly what you're made of. And self two knows what to do. Self two drives the car without you giving an instruction. Self two brushes your teeth the same way and does a pretty darn good job of it. Mm-hmm. Um, all other kinds of things. Self one says, says, um, you know, you really haven't practiced your driving enough, so you should do this. And and all that self consciousness it just makes us tense. It saps us of our own confidence. So what we're talking about with trust and with altruism and all this kind of thing is just finding ways to shut up and ignore self one. So yourself too can just go because it knows what to do. Um, yeah, you need to have fundamentals. You need to know what to do. You have to have some body, you know, awareness of positioning and alignment. Like you were working with me on alignment on Monday. I was I habitually line up to the right. And I was hitting some shots, a good shot, but I hit them to the right. So my, I have a blind spot around that. So you still need to have fundamental, but you allow your, 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 your like self to or just your unconscious to go. I mean, it's just, it's a fundamental uh, performance, whether you're a musician, a sales guy, uh, VP of finance, or a golfer. So you draw, you draw on your natural abilities and let it go. Um, you know, one of the when you talk about, you know, it's it's fine to be all esoteric and say if you just feel the target beggar Vance, your your destiny your destiny will be revealed. You have to have some awareness around fundamentals. And um, Absolutely. one of the things that I, you know, I've seen it in good players like you, and I see it in, you know, high handicap players. And one of the things that I think all of us, I know I have benefited from, is taking a little time every time you warm up to really check in on where you're aimed, where you're really aimed. And I think that's the, if I could recommend as a you know pretty good player, I, I would say if you could just check in on one fundamental 
it would be having just a friend of yours as you're warming up, you know, just say this. Where where am I where basically ask you the question, where are you where do you think you're aimed? Let me tell you where you're really aimed. Because it is a a seemingly simple thing to do, but for a lot of people, I love that term you use, by the way, blind spot. It's a very blind spot in the golf fundamental world that makes such a huge difference. Because as I said to you on Monday, Tim was hitting it just flushing a bunch of shots. Um, lots down the middle with that little baby draw, but a couple were just compressed, well-hit uh, golf swings that just started right and stayed there. And I said, you know, just so you know, like that shot you just hit, that wasn't a slice. It wasn't a push. It was just you hit it straight where you were aimed. So with a little bit of work, it just it's one of those things where if you're like, if, like regular maintenance in your car, if it's the one thing you maintain regularly is your aim, it makes a lot of other things kind of make sense. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, 100%. And that's why you'll hear golf professionals talk over and over again that you've got to nail down your fundamentals. You know, that's uh, like good grip, uh, posture, um, you know, stance, uh, and alignment, uh, ball position. And that stuff is all easy to check. There's no overthinking with that stuff. And yeah, you can take care of that in practice. That's why practicing with alignment rods, um, you know, or putting a club down is so important. It's really funny. Sean Foley, uh, when he was at um, Glen Abbey working with his juniors, if he did, if he came out on the range and he didn't see a kid with a club down or an alignment rod checking his butt, the kid had to run around the range. <laughs> That's funny. Um, let's let's just quickly because we've got about five minutes left. I know you got to go. Um, so we've talked about. You know, the Soldier On Project, just uh, go Google that. Uh, Tim O'Connor at O'ConnorGolf.ca, Humble and Fred Show, HumbleandFredRadio.com. What I wanted to talk a little bit about in the last five or six minutes is kind of when, you know, if if somebody listening is, you know, kind of like me, plays a lot of tournaments, or you've got your club championships a month or so away. We're into June now, so, you know, a lot of guys are getting ready for their one big tournament of the year. I've got... Sort of four or five tournaments that I would say are, for me, ones I've been thinking about for a long time. And one of the first ones is coming up. I think I mentioned I qualified for the Mid-Am, and I'm playing in a big Invitational. And So maybe what you can talk a little bit about is, you know, taking me out of the equation, which I'm happy to do. Um, for somebody who's got their big tournament coming up, what are some of the things you want your players to be working on, thinking about? Um, you know, muse me. What you know? What what would you say are priorities for someone like me is going to be playing? You know, some pretty big provincial level stuff. Well, I would certainly um, start by preparing by writing down, like taking a very good look at your stats. And you know, for you, a lot of it's around birdie.com and taking a look at what are you doing well and what are you not doing well, and certainly taking some steps to to address that type of stuff. And to look at, uh, and that would include looking at your schedule so that you can have a really good cycle of rest recovery going in. Um, a, a lot of golfers are not aware at all, there's a blind spot for you, of uh, just how important it is to be mentally and physically fresh for a tournament. Um, so that you want to plan your schedule so that you're going to peak uh, for these events and you're not going to overextend yourself with too much going on at work, uh, family vacation, or just, or just playing too much golf. So looking at your schedule is, is really important. And then I would start to work towards 
your your range session and golf around moving away from mechanics and just moving into more of a, a performance mode uh, playing and, and particularly on the range uh, playing like games with yourself uh, games of of, uh, of consequence you know you can even have award points to yourself you can you know you know try and plot out what looks like a fairway you know on a range and hitting some drives and you have to hit them within this and say you get five points and if you miss you know, but to sort of point. simulate putting some pressure on yourself um, absolutely so the, so the point is so, so you get through playing so that every shot has a consequence so because when you're playing mechanics you're just raking ball after ball mm-hmm. um that just in no way replicates what golf is really like, particularly under tournament pressure. So you, what you're trying to do is, as you move towards these events, is start to really get yourself in more of a playing mode, as we're talking about, more of a, of a playing in a trust mode, so that you can be aware when you're not trusting and when you are, and just use your awareness to, to guide you straight. And here's like particular, here's something that guys can use as uh, you know anyone um, stay at the home club getting ready for a tournament. Um, one would be going out in the evening uh, and say you've got a tough driving hole, and and say you know late in the evening you could just hit some drives until you feel comfortable on, on that golf hole. Or you've got a green that you just struggle with. You can just hit some putts around it just to get to, it's get funny. to know it's better. You know, it's funny you say that because, you know, this is sort of apropos of, you know, going out by yourself. Everyone has a everyone has a hole for some reason each year at your home course or wherever you play regularly that just kind of comes up and bites you. And last year there was this one hole at my home course. I was just getting sick of, like, pull hooking it off the tee every time I played it or push pushing it into the trees. I went there by myself one afternoon. Um, and put I took some range balls. I had like ten range balls, and all I did was hit drivers and three woods on it until I saw enough balls. <laughs> until I saw enough balls on the fairway, I went okay. Now I know what that looks like. I, I'm done here because yeah, because absolutely. I just kept coming up to it, going, why can't I hit the fairway? Um, listen, my friend, thanks for the advice. Uh, maybe next week we'll talk about because um, I'm going to be in full on prep mode for the uh, Ontario Mid Am, playing against yeah. kids that are 30 years younger than me. But I don't care. You'll be practicing acceptance big time. Yeah, there, acceptance over the fact that they're all 60 yards by me. Exactly. Um, anyways, kids, uh, Tim, great job today. O'ConnorGolf.ca and HumbleAndFredRadio.com. By the way, our Facebook page is up and running. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. It's pretty cool. Swing Thoughts on Facebook. Please uh, like our page so that when we put out a new show, it'll come to you automatically. All right, everybody? Yeah, and there'll be all sorts of cool stuff on there all the time. And, uh, you know, that's what makes this type of thing really fun is all the uh, interaction with our friends and our, and our swing thoughters. So, uh, yeah, get on there and enjoy And that'll really it just enhance that whole experience of this community of golfers. Hey, by the way, I've come up with a, uh, um, a new catchphrase for our show. Yeah. Are you ready? Lay it on me, brother. Until next time. May all your holes be downwind short par fives. How do you like that? I love it. That's what I was saying. I was saying to Timmy on uh, Monday, I said, you know, I'm going to design a golf course, and all it is is short downwind par fives. People will love it. (laughs) 
people would love it. All right, Ken. Right. It's a straight line, so it's kind of a weird design. But no, I don't care. That'd be perfect. That's my when I when I win um, the uh, Powerball in the states, that'll be my course. It'll be called the Par Fives. All right, friends. Perfect. Until next All time. Right. Bye. Bye.